Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Afternoon now, we are. Good to see everyone out again today. Um, I'm, I'm just going to rattle into the next part of this. I'm not going to take much time to really recap on last week. If you weren't here, we, we started in to look at our final practice of discipleship. I'd really love to encourage you just to pick up each of the teachings that we've done on this over the last 12 weeks. Um, obviously, what we do when we get to the end of this, um, at the very beginning of January, there's what we're calling all of us. We mentioned making reference to this at the end, but it's what we're calling all of us. If we feel ready for this in terms of a commitment together about how we could give our lives to live out these ways of Jesus together. And so to do that, we'd love you to stay up to date with uh, what's been taught each of the weeks um, as well. Um, And last week when we came to this topic of discipleship, we said that this is very much in essence, it summarizes everything because obviously our definition of discipleship is that we want to follow Jesus in all of life. So this is why we're looking at these practices, these ways of Jesus, as Jesus has gone ahead of us and has lived them out and is calling us now to come after him and follow them. And this is the very essence and nature of what discipleship is all about. Um, and yet one of the things that we looked at last week, um, just for one minute in this, um, because it sets the tone of where we go today. One of the things that we looked at last week, one of the questions on our questionnaire that we did in discipleship, pinpointed the reality that for some people, there were some people within the, who had given feedback and answers that really felt that um, they, they struggled to fully believe themselves that they could really fully live like Jesus here on earth. While Jesus has called us to come and follow him and he's, he's led the way and set an example, there's many people who struggle to, to believe that they can live a life like that. And part of the reason why we looked at why that might be and we recognize that there are lots and lots of issues in all of our lives. There's lots of weaknesses and struggles that are present and presented in everyone's life. Many things that many people maybe have been struggling with, things that people have tried time and time and time again, and it's just been, it's almost felt like it's been too hard. And so the very, one of the very things we looked at last week, when it comes to this invitation of discipleship where Jesus is calling us to follow him, is not as if that Jesus has put anything on us that's almost too heavy or ill-fitting for us. But as Jesus calls us to follow him, the beautiful thing is that Jesus just doesn't call us to do it and then leave us alone. Jesus has promised us a couple of things. Jesus has promised us, firstly, at the end of the Great Commission, he says, go, into all, go make disciples of all the nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Know this, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm with you always. And Jesus, this is the main part we did look at last week. Jesus, three times in John's gospel, makes reference to the Holy Spirit. And when he speaks of the Holy Spirit, he calls him this, the helper. In John 14 and John 15 and John 16. In John 16, Jesus actually says, it's better that I go. It's better that I go so that the helper can come. And as the helper comes, he's the one who helps and journeys with us. And so the thing we looked at last week, so I would love you to go and pick up the podcast, is simply this. In what areas of your life are you struggling? There's lots of struggles. There's struggles, I'm sure, in every life, presented in different ways. But in what areas are you struggling? And the good news we simply were saying last week was this. You don't struggle alone. You're not on your own with this. Jesus is with you, but the most significant thing that you can do is to pray and invite the help of the helper. So I just tried to say last week, this is where your prayers get really practical, where your prayers get really pointed. 
in terms of whatever those things are. And it was great off the back of this morning, there was a couple of people who came to me and were saying that off the back of last week, they actually started to do this and there were certain error issues in their life that had just constantly been a massive, massive struggle. And during the week for the first time, as those things started to rise within them, they stopped quickly and invited the Holy Spirit. And they said, these were their words, I just felt this calm come over me. I just felt this peace and this presence come over me because this is what the Holy Spirit does. He helps us. So don't try this on your own. Jesus isn't expecting us to try this on our own. None of us can be perfect in this way. And so pray and invite the help of the Holy Spirit. And so where that leads us today is that actually the reason why we can live this life of a disciple is because of this promise of Jesus that he's with us and he's with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. But the other reason why we can live this life of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is because we have been saved into a family. And today... I want you actually, as we go through this, to realize that the very, the very nature and the very way that you're going to be supported in this journey is everyone in this room. There are many of you who your, your thoughts of church and what church is can sometimes be skew-off, same for me, sometimes can be skew-off and sometimes where we've come from and different backgrounds and thoughts or understanding of church can sometimes be kind of a little bit skewed, but the reality is this, this is the church. When we are saved, we've been saved into the family of God. This is, if any of you have been through Ignite, this is a line that you will have heard many, many times, and we're going to be focusing a good bit on this this morning. We are loved by a father, and we are formed in a family. We're loved by a father, we're formed in a family. This is the family, this, this body so not just this, but the church of Jesus Christ. This is where the Father seeks for you, to, his main desires for you to be formed. This is where Jesus wants you to journey into the fullness of your discipleship and your life and your relationship with him. It's that it can fully be formed here within family. And today what we're going to look at is the significance of, of what we mean to one another. Some of you are visitors in here today. And so when I talk about the church, I just don't mean here in Emmanuel and Lurgan. I mean the church when the church is operating right and the way it should be, this is what Jesus is calling us to be about. And so today we're going to really try to pull this apart, the idea that we're loved by a father and we're formed in a family. You have a sheet on your seat and, uh, and I'd love you to pick it up. What we're going to do today, I am mainly going to be reading this, this is why I want us to spend time reading this slowly together, 1, 1 John chapter 4. Last week, we looked a lot in John's gospel. Now we're in the epistle of John. This was written by the apostle John, the disciple who Jesus loved, the one who knew the intimacy with Jesus and the relationship with Jesus. And so it's out of that, that his heart's desire is that the church would get this, that the church would fully get what it means to, to be engaged in the love relationship with God, but what that means for us. And today we're going to look at this. And so what I'm going to ask us to do, we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit just to breathe life in these words. And then we're going to read this together. Um, and then I'm going to leave some space off the back of it for us just to reflect and just to see what the Holy Spirit wants to say. So let, let's, just, let's just close our eyes, can we? Let's just invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for the truth that we looked at last week, that you are helper. I thank you that you help us to see the Father and you help us to see the Son. And you help us to, to experience the fullness of life 
that you, the Trinity, desire for us. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would help us even as we read these words to experience the life that you have for us in it. Holy Spirit, would you help us to hear what you're saying to us today? Give us ears to hear and just speak to us so clearly right now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's, let's read these, these words together. Um, we'll read it slowly. Um, and then I'll lead us just in a bit of a reflection off, off the back of it. So this is 1 John chapter 4. They're on the screen just in case you can't read it on your, your sheet. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. What I would love you to do, I would love you to, take, I'd love you to take a minute with this on your own. And I would love you just to allow the Holy Spirit just to pinpoint, even if it's one word or one verse or one phrase off this sheet, we're asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you specifically. So as you read through this, just to see if there's one thing specifically, one thing that God is saying to you, what is the one thing today, God, that you're speaking to us individually? So why don't you take a minute to do that and then I'm going to lead us just in the next bit of this.
what I would love you to do, if you feel comfortable, no, not forcing anyone with any of this, but if you feel comfortable, I'd love you to just turn in twos or threes with people sitting around you, if you know them, if you feel comfortable. And don't need to give the reason why you're saying this, but just love you just say, what is that one word or that verse or that phrase that you feel that God's spoken to you? So again, you don't need to give the reason, but just what do you think that one thing is that you feel God is speaking to you this morning? Let's just take 30 seconds to do this. Can we just turn around just in twos or threes? All right, so later, later we're going to come back and reflect a little bit more. I'm going to be, we're going to be teaching on some of the verses in this passage this morning, just about what I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me through it this morning for us in church. But it's one of those ones, I feel that it's really significant. Whatever you sense God is saying to you, whatever you feel God has pinpointed to you, it's really important that you personally ask the Holy Spirit, what is the reason, why, why, what is it that God is saying to you specifically through this? It's one thing to have that phrase or that word or that verse, but what is it that God is speaking to you through this specifically? Ask the Holy Spirit that when, when you sense what the Holy Spirit is saying, it's asking then yourself, what is the next step for you? How are you going to step into this and embed this? Because this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, right? That whatever we sense God's saying, that we follow his prompting, we follow his leading and his guiding, this is what it means for us just in our everyday lives, just that we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. I said this last week, you know, we've loved the moments that we've had on Sunday nights. They have been great. And we pray and long for more of those times just when we experience the deep encounters and things of the Spirit. But if that's all we live for is a Sunday night moment and we miss the deep reality of how the Holy Spirit wants to live and engage with our lives every single day, we miss the fullness of what God wants to lead us into. So this is why Holy Spirit is helper. This is why Holy Spirit is given to you for the every single day, the every single minute, the every single second of your life that he is there with you. And today we're going to be looking to see specifically even as it comes around the word, the Holy Spirit is significant in this. So whatever you sense him send you this morning, pray and ask, how can you step into this for yourself? Jesus, when he was here for us as his disciples, when Jesus was on earth, his main mission or the main thing that he wanted to talk about and the light people to experience was the kingdom of heaven. He came and he talked about it repeatedly. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Jewish people and the Jewish mindset were waiting for something that was to come. And Jesus came with the good news. The kingdom of heaven is here. You can experience it in your life. And he was passionate about people experiencing it. And the way that he did that, the way that he lived it out for us as his disciples. So for us, if we're going to be those who follow Jesus, then that still needs to be our main message. It still needs to be our main mission as the church is that we want people to experience the kingdom of heaven that is present for people right now, even in the midst of uncertainty. So we look at all the voting during the week and we're scratching our heads thinking what could possibly happen and what's happening in this. And yet the truth and the hope for people is that the kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand. It's present with us. And so how do we as the church help people to experience that? And the first thing that Jesus did while that was his mission, there was probably a couple of different things we could say about his method that he did it for us to be able to follow. And the first thing is simply this. Jesus was someone who walked in communion with the Father. 
He desired to do what the Father was doing. And the first thing this morning that I just really want to call our attention to, before we can go and help other people, before we can go and fulfill the words of Jesus to go and make disciples, we have to be those words born and positioned out of a place of who we are in God and our relationship with the Father. We need to be a people that walk in communion with the Father. We have to be a people that know the Father. And this is where the Bible is significant in this for us. Jesus, Jesus, when he was here on earth, was someone who just passionately wanted to experience the love of God. This is one of the, I think it's obviously the title of the page in your sheet for this section. I think it was verse 8. This is what John says. God is love. God is love. Jesus was desperate for people to get him. And Jesus experienced this as he read the word. We asked this question um, on, on our recent questionnaire. How often do you read the Bible? You know that for many of you, Phil, uh, when we first started the series, began to speak in prayer and worship and challenged us about the significance of having a place. So um, having that place and challenging maybe about reading the book of John. And lots of you came back with feedback about the life you were getting through that. And so we asked this question again, how often do you read the Bible? And these were the results at the moment that we got from this. Around 52% said that they would read it daily. 22% said they would read it several times a week. 13% 13% said once a week. 10% said that they would read it once a month. Some said hardly ever. Before we go to pick that apart and uh, analyze and speak into those different parts of it, the thing we want to do is that we want to look at Jesus. We want to look at him and see how did Jesus engage with the scriptures? How did Jesus actually live his life in this way to actually show us the significance and the purpose and the nature of reading the Bible? Because sometimes it can be a struggle, can't it? Sometimes they can feel a bit hard. Sometimes they can feel a bit dry. And so this morning, I want us to actually see what can we learn from Jesus that actually helps us to experience the life that this brings us. Many of you, if you've been through Ignite again, you will have heard me reference a little bit about this when I've spoken on it. But Jesus, when we look at Jesus' background and his upbringing and 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 where he was was brought up, what we know about Jesus is this. Jesus lived in, in Galilee. Nazareth in Galilee. And Galilee was an area where some of the most devout Jews lived. The Jews that came from Galilee were the ones that were just known for for their devotion to scriptures, their devotion to Yahweh, their devotion to God. They just wanted to almost legalistically follow everything down to a T. Some of the most devout Jews and rabbis came from, from Galilee, and Jesus came from here. And Jesus, when he was growing up, Jesus uh, would have, and we know this from some of the history books, that in terms of what happened culturally in those times, Jesus would have been brought through school. And as Jesus went through school, just like every other young boy and young girl at that time, as they went through the primary school ages, so their equivalent of our P1 to P7, I don't know what they called it in Israel, um, but it probably wasn't P1 to P7, it was something else. But as Jesus went through that period of his life, this is what actually they would have been expected, all children and Israel at this stage would have been expected to do, particularly the ones in Galilee. By the end of it, they were expected to memorize the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Some of us thought we had a hard time learning that one verse for Sunday school when we were growing up. The children in Palestine at this time had to learn the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They were passionate about memorizing it and getting it alive inside of them. And they would have learned the prophets. They would have learned the writings. They would have recited orally 
what they had memorized over and over and over again. They were passionate and devoted to try and get the scriptures alive inside of them. And the thing is, is that we don't know much about, we don't know much about Jesus as a young boy. But what we do know is that Jesus had given himself fully to the study of the word. So the passage we're about to look at, many of you all know, do you know the passage in Luke chapter 2? So Mary and Joseph have been up to Jerusalem for Passover and they've lost little Jesus, 12-year-old Jesus. And you can almost imagine the picture. So they're traveling home and the men and the women are traveling in different groups. And Mary thinks that Jesus is with Joseph in the men group. And Joseph thinks that Jesus is with Mary, right? And, and when they get home, you can see the, the look on their faces. You know you've had those moments where it's like, what do we do? And probably they probably start blaming each other. Did anybody ever do that? It's your fault. It's your fault. You, you said you were with them. And, that. and so suddenly they're like, where's Jesus? And they start to retrace their steps. And when they get back to Jerusalem, you know that the pastor's about to read at the minute. They find him here in the temple and the synagogue. And let's read these words. We're just going to pick a couple of things out from it. After three days, they find him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. A man, Jesus had given himself so much to the studying of the word that it's almost like when he gets around the, the scribes, the Pharisees, these teachers of the law, they're amazed like this young 12-year-old boy with his understanding, the questions that he's asking with his knowledge. The reality is for us, and this is probably where some of our heads go, yes, Jesus is fully God. But Jesus, remember, this is what we really wanted to press home last week. Jesus was fully human. Jesus is what the Philippians 2 tells us, had humbled himself, had become like us, had taken on flesh, had become human. And Jesus here, as a young boy, what Jesus had to do was Jesus had to give himself to the daily devotion of getting into the scriptures. The reality is, and this is the truth, Mary, I'm sure at some point along the way, has sat down with Jesus. I don't know what age it would have been. At some point, she's bound to have sat down with him and told him the angel story. Jesus, there was this angel called Gabriel that came and visited me and told me that actually you're the son of the most high. I'm sure she just didn't keep that to herself. I'm sure she sat down and they talked this together. And Mary was, was adamant, you know, for Jesus to know this. And so Jesus, as he reads the scriptures, this is the thing that's really important for us. Jesus, as he reads the scriptures, Jesus begins to read it in such a way that he recognizes his place in the story, that he's given himself into the story. And Jesus, even though Jesus was fully God, Get this, even though Jesus is fully God and God who is full of all wisdom, Jesus now has humbled himself where Philippians would say he did not think of equality with God, something to cling or to hold on to, but he humbled himself and took on flesh. Jesus even had to humble himself to the point that he had to learn. So we read this even at the end, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. Man, Jesus had to grow in wisdom as a young boy. He had to give himself to this. And the reality is, as Jesus engaged with the scriptures, this is the next thing that we learn. Look at this line as well in this passage. When Mary and Joseph come and they say to Jesus, Jesus, what are you doing? You frightened us. Look at what Jesus says to them. Why were you looking for me? 
Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? Even though Jesus had come from the Father, Jesus had to, as a young boy, as a young human, had to get to know the Father. And as he got to know the Father, it was through the Scriptures and had given himself and the time to this. And the reality is, and this is the thing I just want to say with this, this is a phrase I felt the Spirit really said to me this week. Mary knew God. Jesus knew the Father. Mary knew God, and she probably told Jesus all about God and what had happened. Jesus, through his, as he got around the Word, and as he read the Word and allowed himself just to fall in love with, with the Father by reading the Word, Jesus got to know the Father. And so the question that's really important, I feel, for us when it comes to this, before we move into the next part, just to close this off, is that regardless of how much, right, so whatever your answer was on the screen, regardless of what your time is, two, two or three things just to say on this. If you were some of the people that said, firstly, that you, you hardly ever read the Bible, there could, be, there could be different reasons for that. So the last thing I'm standing up here to do is to criticize or condemn me, all right? But there could be different reasons why you don't read the Bible. Firstly, you could be someone that just doesn't like reading. I often hear people say that, oh, I hate reading. They're waiting for the video version to come out of it, right? And uh, they hate reading. And the reality is, is that if you're saying someone that you struggle with reading, you're actually in a really good place when it comes to the Scriptures. Because when the Scriptures were written, they were never actually written to be read. They were written to be heard because someone would have read them out and someone would have listened to them. So here's the thing. There's some really good audio versions of the Bible. If you stick it on, you can listen to it. And you hear the Bible actually the way it was always meant to have been. Well, the way it was at the beginning, sorry, not the way it was always meant, but you get what I'm saying, right? So you're in a really good place with that. If you're saying that you don't engage with it because you don't know what to read, you struggle to be able to do that, this is why we have things like Phil's devotions, right? He's written it in such a way that you can read the Bible in three years, one chapter a day. There's loads and loads of other devotions that you can read, your phones littered with them, devotional plans that can help guide and steer you in this. So if that's the reason for it, it just says it's really important that we start to engage with it. And there's different ways for us to be able to help or to get around that. If, if we're one of the people, though, that are saying, yeah, we, we read it every single day, I think just the other way just to look at the question is this. So rather than are you reading the Bible, it's just really to phrase it as this. How do you read the Bible and why? How do you read the Bible and why? When, when I'm thinking about the why, and this is why I just wanted to labor on that point with Jesus. Jesus, as he read the scriptures, read it through the filter of son. Jesus recognized that his identity was the son of the father. And so as he read the scriptures, he read it through the filter of I'm a son What's the Father saying to me? What am I learning about the Father? How can I grow in my knowledge and my wisdom of the Father? This is where he was desperate about. He was, do you get what I'm saying with this? Jesus wanted to grow more. And so he, he filtered everything, the, he read everything through the filter of sons. So sitting here in the room today, we have sons and daughters of God. So as you read the Bible, it's not the reason why you're reading it. It isn't just to get it done so that you can say you've read the Bible and to get your reading done for the day because you think that's a nice thing to do to make God happy. You're reading it because you're already a son and a daughter of God. And as sons and daughters of God, this is why we engage with the Scripture so that we can get to know the Father. And this is why it's really important. This is why we prayed even today before we read it. This is why it's so important to ask for the help of the Holy Spirit to breathe life on it. So that as we read it, the Holy Spirit can reveal the Father through the written word to us. Can help us to see and give us, this is why we pray. I know sometimes it can be a religious thing, but give us eyes to see. Give us eyes to see the Father even in these words. And so there's life in this for you. And how, do, how you read it, 
I would say this, there's, there's lots of different ways you could be reading the Bible. Some of you, you love studying and you'll read it in big amounts and it's great being able to do that. But if your why is because you want to grow in your relationship as a son with a father or a daughter with a father, if you want to grow in a relationship, don't try to rush it and don't try to cram it all in. I would almost be suggesting, it's like an example of what we've just done today, of reading small amounts and allowing yourself to be still and ask, what is God speaking to you? And in these moments when you allow the Holy Spirit to speak, this is what I'm speaking to you. These are the moments when God starts to lead us and start, because this is what the Father wants to do. With his children, he wants to speak to you. Do you know the way we always say this? He's my personal savior. Yeah, that's a well-known phrase that we have here in Northern Ireland. He's my, he's my personal savior. And if he's your personal savior, then he's got a personal relationship with you and he's got a personal message for you. And the thing is, you need to be still to hear it and be still to see it. And as you read the scriptures, this is why you need to pray and invite Holy Spirit, bring life through this. And so first thing I wanna simply say is this, before we can go on and help other people, which we're gonna finish with now in the next 10 minutes, before we can help others, you need to be in a place of you're just, you're in love with the Father and you're getting to know more of the love of the Father and getting to know more of what the Father would desire for you. And so pray, invite the Holy Spirit, read the scriptures, these things, these disciplines. I could go on and on about it, but we're gonna go on. So Jesus, he, he's passionate about living out the kingdom of heaven. He does that by walking in communion with the Father. But the second thing he simply does is this. He does it with friends. God is a God of relationship. We see this from the opening pages of Scripture. God is a God of relationship. This is what John actually says in this passage is what he starts to call us to. The reality is God as a Father desires for us to be formed in the relationship that we have with one another and to call life out of one another. John actually uses the phrase, you'll see this in your passage, and then we're gonna look at some of the verses specifically. But John actually says this to us, love one another, love one another. I know sometimes that's hard. There sometimes can be breakdown in relationships and things that happen and things that can get between people. Do you know what? That's why Jesus, the master, actually told us if there is things between people, this is how to deal with it. You can go and read it in Matthew's gospel, some directions about how to address those sort of things. But this is what Jesus is calling us to. This is what John says, love one another. Those that are loved by the Father, this is the call now upon us, love one another. Love one another. And so in this room, this is, the, this is what I want us to leave with today is we kind of come towards the end of the series and the practices. Phil will summarize and wrap this up next week. But this is the call upon us. Love one another. Love one another. And some of you might be thinking, well, I don't know if I really feel like it. I don't know if I really want to. Here's the thing. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's actually not an option. It's actually not. Listen to the words of John in this. Verse 11, chapter 4. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 21, and this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And so the reality is, if we want to be obedient to Jesus and what he's asking us to do, this is what he's calling us to do, love one another. If you're not a part of this church and you're a visitor with us today, this is what you need to know what it means to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. We're a people that love one another. We're people that are given to him because this is his body. This is what Jesus gave his life for, to see the church come alive because he knew that through the church, this is where the life could come to the whole world and people get to experience the kingdom of heaven. And so if you're part of the church, love one another. 
This is the call upon all of us. This is what the master is asking of us today. And so the question is, what are you going to do about that? And it might be in your head you think, all right, well, that's, that all sounds very good, but, but what do you actually mean by love one another? And that's a good question to ask. And John actually in this letter, because he's so passionate about people and the church getting this, actually in the chapter before, he makes references to some things about how we live. And so I'm just going to do three or four points really briefly, just a minute or two in each one. And then we're just going to pray for one another at the end. But love, John actually in chapter three starts to point out that love looks like different things. Firstly, love looks like this. Guarding against jealousy and envy between us. Right, guarding against jealousy and envy between us. So in chapter 3, verses 11 to 14, we'll not take time to read it, they're there on the screen. John starts to make reference about the story of Cain and Abel, these brothers, how, how Cain became jealous of Abel. I've underlined a bit here. It was almost like that he was jealous of his brother's righteousness. And the thing that I want to say this morning is this, God is and will be doing different things and different people at different times in different ways. And the last thing we ever need to do is to be jealous of the righteousness and the work that God is doing in someone else's life. One of the things that we need to be able to do is to celebrate it and to call it out of one another and to encourage one another rather than having a jealous spirit where sometimes we can look and be envious of someone and this is what happened. And so the thing first that we need to do if we're going to guard love and guard the oneness that exists in the church is like, let's not be jealous of one another. And then John goes on again. And so how we love one another, then we need to, secondly, we need to affirm one another and refuse to gossip of put down here. John actually says these words, and this is, I mean, we'll teach this after this. So he says this, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Listen to these strong words. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Because you see what John is doing, John's reflecting on the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus comes and turns up to these really religious Jews that think they're doing really well. And Jesus comes and says, you've heard it said, you shall not kill. But I tell you something even greater. You shall not even be angry with someone in your heart. Because if you hold hatred or anger in someone in your heart, it's just as bad as killing them because of what's going on in here. Jesus recognizes that this is something that can kill and destroy your own heart and your own soul. And generally how this happens and how it spills out and comes out amongst us when there's hatred and things that present itself amongst us is this, is that there's words of death and there's words of destruction and there's gossip and there's spitefulness that starts to be spoken by person to person and there's whispers behind people's back. And the thing is, when we do that, we're just joining in with the work of the enemy because he's the one that wants to steal, kill and destroy. And we can either agree with the words and the will of God in this or we can agree with the will of the enemy in this. And so we're gonna do his work for him and destroy one another. And we need to recognize that what we're doing is we're destroying the unity of the church and what God calls us to do is love one another. Love one another, speak well of one another, encourage one another, affirm one another. When you see things, speak well of it. Do that with the people that you're closest to, your spouse, your family. If they're believers, they're the ones that we often pick out the negative things. Affirm the good things because the love of God wants to come alive in us. Love one another. This is what God is calling us to. And the next thing, we make our lives accessible. This is what Jesus did for us to be able to affirm other people. We have to allow ourselves to be accessible to other people. We have to recognize you don't just come into church. Sorry, I'm going off on one here. We don't just come into church and sit in your same seats and go through the same routines just to suit yourself because it's a consumeristic thing and then go home. We're part of the church together. 
And when you come into the church together, we're doing life together. Love one another. Make your life accessible to other people. Speak to other people. Engage with other people. Have, do relationship with other There's people who come into this church week after week after week and they're lonely because people who want to engage love one another. This is what the Father's calling, love one another. If we're going to be the church that it's alive and the church is really representing Jesus to the world, love one another. Stop fighting, stop breaking. It's not just about you, it's about all of us. Love one another. Call life out of one another. Make your life accessible because this is what Jesus did. He gave like a, he gave like a, a backdoor pass to his life to the disciples. He made his life accessible. He called these 12 friends and he allowed them to come close. And when he allowed them to come close, what he did was that he created an environment for accountability. He wanted to call life. And here's the thing today, I just wanted to say, if you really love one another, we need to be a people that allows each other to be accountable. Firstly, we can be a people that can speak truth and love to one another. Don't just say the things that we think people would like to hear, because that's not doing anyone any good. Speak truth and love. But we create a space where we make our lives accessible to one another that we actually can create a space where people can be accountable. And the thing I want to ask you is this, who are you accountable with in your life? You can be sure of this. If there's struggles in your life and you're trying to do it on your own, the enemy is delighted by that. If you're trying to do this all on your own, the enemy loves that. And he can isolate you, get you on your own. He loves that. Because you see, when you're on your own and things are hidden and things are in the dark, here's the thing you need to know, that's the enemy's domain. But the truth is, when you get around people that you can do life with, and I'm not asking you to come stand on the stage and tell everyone your struggles, <laughs> but when you can get around people that you trust and you build life and you do relationship with and you get to know and you can be accountable and transparent and be open, what starts to happen is that those struggles and those things suddenly get lifted out of the darkness and put into the light. <laughs> And when they come into the light, suddenly the enemy's no more domain over it. Because <laughs> when it's in the light, the light of the gospel shines on it. We walk in grace. We walk in God's victory in these things. And we call life out of one another. We speak love of one another. We support one another. Friends that are accountable will check in on those things with you. <laughs> so that it's not as if it's just a thing that's spoken once and then forgotten. But these things, this is what it means to do life together. This is why God is calling us, come on. Children of God, come on. Be, do life together one with another. Many of you, actually many of you won't know this. Some of you will know this. When, when I was younger, I used to play the violin, right? <laughs> Mikey's sitting here and he's about to wet himself laughing about this. But I used to play the violin and uh, I got up to like grade five standard. It was, it was pretty decent and uh, I got into the orchestras and all that side of stuff. And then it came this decision, right? It came this decision. I either get, kept playing the violin on a Saturday morning or I played rugby with my mates on a Saturday morning. Now, Mickey and all the guys were really understanding about my violin playing as a lad, right? They really encouraged me in it and all that sort of thing. But it was this decision. And so I gave up the violin to pursue my rugby career, which obviously didn't really go very well either. Um, but just you didn't want to miss out on the fun. Man, that's another sermon in itself. Sometimes about how we miss out on some of the things. But when it comes to violins, I, I actually really enjoy playing the violin. And there's this, there's this story I, I just simply wanted to tell is this. Um, this guy, he's an Italian violin maker. And his name is Stradivari. 
He was an Italian fourth-generation violin maker. Stradivari produced 1,116 instruments, 960 of which were violins, and there's still around f between 450 and 500 of them still in existence. These are like these are like the creme de la creme. Like Phil loves Ferraris and cars, right? If you're into violins, this is this is the boy, right? Now, when I got my violin, I got it from Remy McLeod's at the town. It wasn't one of these lads, right? Which I'm glad because otherwise it would have been a waste of money. Um, but it, the, the, these violins are the goodness, and he this guy made. These violins. And listen to what it says, this story I read about him. When creating a violin, Stradivari would carefully choose the wood, weighing it, feeling its balance, measuring its qualities, not by guidebook or slide rule, but in his hands. Then he would bring his apprentice to, to his he would bring his apprentice to his elbow and show him his chosen wood. No apprentice could explain which pieces were chosen and which were rejected. They felt it in their hands after learning to feel what their master felt. Let me read that last sentence again. No apprentice could explain which pieces were chosen and which were rejected. They felt it in their hands after learning to feel what their master felt. The reality is, this is what Jesus did with the 12 disciples. He allowed them to come close enough to be able to feel what he felt before he, he sent them out to go on and show it to other people. And in, in this room, in this room, there are, we're all at different stages of our journey, discipleship journey with Jesus. And there are many people that are struggling. And there are people that are further ahead in their journey with Jesus and their walk with Jesus. And what they need really is for someone to allow them to come close, to come close firstly for support, and for someone to come close enough to you so that actually some of these things that we're talking about, they can actually learn them through your life. It means, firstly, you've got to make sure if you're doing this, this is why I wanted to start with it. If you're, if, you're ready, if you're ready and you're willing to step into that type of relationship, you've got to make sure you're in a good place with the Lord yourself. If you're going to lead others, you don't lead out of your own stuff. You want to lead out of the Father. But when, you're, when, when the Father is moving and the Spirit is moving in your life, the last thing you do is keep it to yourself. It's who you're bringing close to your elbow. Who you're you allowing to experience some of these things. So when we often say this, when you, the, last, the best way to teach someone how to pray is not to sit and stand on the stage and take them through a 12-point step thing and how to pray. It's actually pray with someone. Show them how to pray. People need to learn. People need to get close. People need to experience how to do life in all of these ways. And yet, this is the invitation that's being given because Jesus actually gives this command. Go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I know this, I'm with you at the very end of the age. There's stuff I've missed out, but it's okay for time's sake. And this is the, this is the bit that's probably a bit of the blur in it when we say go and make disciples because this is the these are the last words when Jesus was on earth, he spoke. <laughs> so I don't know about you, but if these are his last words on earth, you want to sit up and listen to them. <laughs> right? If these are his last words on earth, you want to sit up and listen to them. Obviously, he's still speaking through his Holy Spirit. Sit up and listen to these. This is the call upon every disciple in the room. Go to all the world. Make disciples of all the nations. The question is, and this is the ambiguity comes, what do we mean by making disciples? It's great it's great to share faith with people and to see people come to faith. But that's not where discipleship ends. That's simply where discipleship begins. 
And so when you can invest in someone enough to tell them about Jesus, to see them come to faith in Jesus and get them to say a sinner's prayer, yes, we want them to do that. That's, not where, that's just where it begins. And so how do we commit to do life together? How do we commit to go after? And this is the very last part is what John says. How do we commit to give everything together as our lives? How do we commit ourselves to support one another? How do you support other people in their journey, recognizing that it's not just about your success, but actually the whole body is important together. When one part suffers, the whole body suffers. When one part rejoices, the whole body rejoices. This is us calling life and doing life one with another. So we commit together. Phil will talk more about this next week. This is what we want to call you all to do. And we've said this at the start come January, but how we can commit and covenant to live this together and yeah, to give our yes together. But this, this is the call of Jesus. And so as we come to the end of this, as we come to the end of the series, it's simply just the words that I want to leave with. It's just the words of our Savior and our teacher is this. Go into all the world. So it's, it's good to learn these things. It's good to live them into your life so you can experience fullness of life. But yet, what Jesus does is he says, right, when you're saved, right now you get ready to give. Now go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them, teach them, teach people that whatever God's teaching you, teach other people, teach them to obey all these things and command you and know this, Know this, I am with you. I'm with you always to the very end of the year. It's what I love you to do. If you just stand, Marty and the guys are going to come. We're going to worship just as we finish. I just want to pray this prayer of Paul. It's a commitment. We're going to just worship and celebrate the love of God that we've been talking about today, the love that won us, the love that is sustaining us, the love that is the driving force behind our life and the reason why we do all of this. But this is simply, this is simply the words of Paul. Let's just close our eyes and let me, let me just pray this over us. Just to say, with prayer ministry available at the end of the service. The Holy Spirit wants to help. And so if there's things in your life today that you really need help in, we would love to pray for you in that today. Help practically, physically, in areas of healing, strengthening, whatever it is, we just love to pray for you today. It's available at the end. Let's just let me just pray these words. May the God, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Jesus, this is our devotion. Father, this is our devotion. Spirit, this is our devotion. Holy Spirit, would you help us? God, make our lives count. Thank you for your love. God, it's the reason why we live. We give ourselves afresh to you today. Lead us, God. And God, may other people experience your kingdom in and through us. Help us to love like you love. For the glory of your name, King Jesus. Amen. Let's worship him at the end. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. 
For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.